Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for July 26th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, baby. We use the blueprint. Wow. Yes, indeed, baby. We use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. It's incredible. The hard work the founders put in to bless us in our lives. We're incredibly appreciative of the checks and balances they provide for us. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Hope you're doing fantastic. A quick recap of Saturday's show, ladies and gentlemen. It was an incredible broadcast. Uh, We talked, well, first off, it was day four of Freedom Fest. Sam live from freedomfest.com. Or actually live from, uh, what, Rapid City, South Dakota. If you can't attend in person, the streaming option uh, was available. <clears throat> Great stuff. Uh, anyway, we had a fantastic time at Freedom Fest. It could not have gone better. Federal court rules, CDC's COVID-19 eviction moratorium was unlawful. Jack Phillips, the Epic Times with the piece. The CDC flat out engaged in federal overreach and got caught. Wow, that's exactly what they did in the Richard Mack case too, huh? We're seeing case after case after case where the federal government's flat out of control. Yeah, they need to be stopped. We had our guest on, Mr. Eric Madsen, founder and trustee of TeamLaw.net. Team Law was created to help people learn the law so that they can save the republic. Yeah, it takes a lot of work to get that done. That was our one of the broadcast. Hour two of Liberty Roundtable Live. We had on our guest, former sheriff, current county commissioner in Elkhart County, uh, Indiana, Brad Rogers. Brad, obviously, a f- phenomenal guest. Uh, Brad was great. He broke down the responsibilities of a sheriff. We talked about the constitutional county sheriff based upon the rule of law. Can they interpose against the IRS? Brad says a resounding yes, indeed. In fact, he wishes on his watch he could have been the first sheriff to arrest IRS agents for being belligerent, but they didn't. the opportunity didn't afford itself. What does it take for the opportunity to afford itself, you might ask, you might wonder? Well, first off, you've got to have a citizen that's willing to take on the battle. The sheriff can't just run around crazy. He represents citizens, right? How can the county sheriff and the police chief work together and coexist? Uh, Brad gave several examples of that. It can be done, ladies and gentlemen. We talk about one sheriff stands up for the people that he serves. Mike Meharry, 10th Amendment Center. As constitutionally sworn law enforcement officers, county sheriffs have the power and and authority to interpose on behalf of the citizens they represent, seeking to face down unconstitutional exercises of federal power. That's what it takes good citizens in partnership with our sheriffs every time. 
We also talked about George Soros gives a, a million dollars to defund the police movement as violent crime rages across the country. We talked about that live on Saturday from uh, the Incredible Freedom Fest event in Rapid City, South Dakota. That was amazing. And, uh, you know, if you weren't there, wow, you missed out on something cool. It was really, really good. Let me just quickly document while we're waiting for our uh, guest, Lowell Nelson, to join. Uh, Richard Mack and I were on a panel on Saturday. It was a general panel. Uh, Busted. Uh, Is the justice system permanently broken? And the answer is yes, it is. And uh, we had four people on a panel, myself, Richard Mack, and two lovely ladies that did a phenomenal job. One was a well-known attorney, and the other one uh, worked uh, regarding justice, um, support, relief, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, it was a great event on the panel. We, we, I, I feel we did a good job. Bob Barr, former congressman, current attorney, etc., was the main guy that was the moderator for the event. But he asked us a variety of questions, and the answer we all came to was, yes, the justice system is permanently broken. And then we spent time on what we believe can make the biggest difference. Richard Back obviously said the county sheriff, backed by the American citizens, could make some of the greatest differences because the county sheriff selected, not appointed, and the answers to the people that elected him. And if he learns to work with his uh, constituents and he gets together a great sheriff's posse, that is the answer. That is one of the great solutions. Uh, and I think Sheriff Max right on that. Uh, one of the other ladies that was an attorney brought up a phenomenal point, and she said, hey, you know what? The power of a fully informed jury is incredible. And we need more of the fully informed juries to not only judge the people uh, before them, the cases, but to judge the law. When the law is wrong and abusive and everything else, you can stop that. It's kind of one of the last lines of defense, if you will. Uh, so she said that. Um, her name was Catherine, great attorney. Uh, and then there's another girl there named Hannah that kind of really pointed to a lot of the problems in our criminal justice system as well. Um, and it, anyway, it was a great, great focused panel. And uh, my main point at the panel was, hey, yes, indeed, the justice system is permanently broken. There's no doubt about it, unless. And my unless basically focused on turning to God above government, the American people repenting. I highlighted that if we repent and turn to God Almighty, he promises us, biblically speaking, he will heal our land and protect us. Because Bob Barr highlighted a lot of the reasons that we're losing a lot of our rights and that the justice system's off the rails is, hey, they always want to protect and keep everybody safe. And well, if you want protection and safety, turn to God Almighty. So I focused a lot on that, on this idea that we need to turn to God. And that's one of the biggest ways we can reject the justice system being permanently broken. The second way I highlighted is family. You know, everything in America we want to believe is just solved by politics. We've got to have some bureaucrat, some attorney, some lawsuit, some you know, political divide, some petitions, some. And I just submitted to you that turning to God Almighty and turning to your family is not political and that we don't need political solutions every time. And I highlighted that family is the fundamental unit of society. It's not government. It's not community. It's not school. It's not work. It's not bureaucrats. It's not parties, partisanship. It's the family. And really, society is just a mirror of the family. If the family is melting down, society will no doubt be the mirror and meltdown as well. But if the family is strong, then society will be strong. So I promoted turning to God, not government, 
and turning to the family and making the family strong. And I highlighted de Tocqueville's reality that America was great because America was good. He meant good. There was a gazillion laws in de Tocqueville's time. Not there's a gazillion laws in our time. But there is a situation where back in the day there was not a gazillion laws. He says, look, almost everything was legal then. But nobody did it because it was against their moral compass. It was against their families. It was against what's the difference? The answer is the morality in the people based on God and family. So if you want to fix the country, look to the two greater pillars. That would be God and family. That was the summary of my contributions to the Saturday panel. The justice system busted. Is it permanently broken? We all agreed that it was, but we pointed out powerful solutions on how we could fix it. From fully informed juries to the county sheriff, America's last hope. We, the people backing our sheriffs. Uh, then to my proposals, which is turn to God Almighty and focus on the family, if you will. Uh, there were other suggestions along the way, but I, I, I think it was a powerful panel. I really do. And that's a recap of Saturday's broadcast and the uh, details of what we were doing at freedomfest.com. Without further ado, Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org, jumps on your radio. Welcome to the broadcast, my good friend. Uh, it's good to be here, Stan. Thank you for having me. Man, there's so much to cover. Did you uh, keep an eye on Freedom Fest at all? Uh, no, did not have my finger on that one, fam. Wow, that was, sure. there was 3,000 people in attendance. We had some incredible efforts from sheriffs standing on the stage with a sheriff's breakout panel to an incredible Friday night Loving Liberty CSPOA dinner. We packed the house, had too many people, had to put chairs up against the back wall. The room was so full, and we hit it out of the park. Sheriffs literally said, we're committing right now before the public and before the world if bureaucrats from the federal government and or the state try to come into our county and uh, not obey the law, commit criminal activity, they will flat out be arrested. Literally four sitting sheriffs uh, were saying that kind of detail uh, at this conference. It was tremendous, tremendous stuff, uh, really educational, really bold. They're nullifying by standing for the truth. Uh, they're just they give stories of examples when they backed off the feds. They give stories of, and examples of even when their county commissions are going against them and how they're standing strong and tall and doing a great job. It was amazing to see, Lowell. Oh, that is fantastic, Sam. I'm so encouraged to hear that. Um, that's exactly what needs to happen. Campaignforliberty.org, ronpaulinstitute.org. It is um, Lowell Nelson with me, ladies and gentlemen, always doing a great job for Campaign for Liberty. Political Leadership School, we mentioned it for several weeks, but we want to really give the final push. It is this Saturday, Lowell. It is. Uh, so this is the final week. You can sign up for it because it's going to happen this Saturday, July 31st, in uh, the Salt Lake Community College in Sandy, Utah. That's uh, the one that uh, is right here in Utah. Now, these, these schools are all over the country, as we've been mentioning. For example, this school uh, on the 31st is not the only one. Uh, in the nation. There's one in Cincinnati, Ohio, one in Springfield, Missouri, and one in Gainesville, Florida. And then there are 14 schools next month in August. All, all over, over the, the country, country, ladies and gentlemen. you got to dig it in Utah this Saturday. We'll talk more about it in seconds. Lowell Nelson, Sam Bushman, you are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? 
Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, why have some of my seals are gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's gonna do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. All right, we're talking about the foundation for applied conservative leadership, ladies and gentlemen. And they have a goal, and that goal is to help conservative citizens like you and me understand how the political process really works in America and how you can use this knowledge to make real change at the local, state, and even the federal level. These schools are all over the country. Political Leadership School happening right here in Utah, July 31st. That is this Saturday. Sadly, people always take till the last minute to sign up, right, Lowell? That seems to be the, the trend, yes. But uh, so we, we the class is about a third full. We've got room for 40 more people. So uh, if you're listening to this and you're near... Sandy, Utah, if you can attend this Saturday, please register right now because we're going to be uh, getting lunches. Uh, we need to put in that order by midweek. So you got to got to register today to attend this uh, fantastic event in Sandy, Utah, this uh, Saturday. Sam? As I always like to say, get her done. <laughs> yep, now, that's the, right. the goal of the foundation for applied conservative leadership is really important, and this is why it's happening all across the country. Explain a little bit who this uh, group is, this um, Foundation for Applied Conservative Leadership, because I think it's really important to kind of understand the uh, the backing for this, right? Well, it is, Sam. Uh, you know, back in the 1990s is when the core of training for this uh, group developed. Mike Rosfeld was key in that uh, process. Uh, if anybody's familiar with Morton Blackwell, they know that he runs the Leadership Institute, same course same type of material, very well respected among 
uh, conservative activists. If you want to, 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 you know, push politicians to do what they should be doing, which is to protecting your rights, to securing your freedom, then this is really how it's done. Yeah, because politicians are predictable. And knowing and understanding the dynamics of you know, politics is key for activists, successful activism. And uh, so they want liberty-minded citizens like you and me, Sam, to be informed, to be educated, to be trained. And that's what these classes are doing all over the country. Um, the uh, success stories, you can go on the website and just read some of the success stories that these people have had uh, that, were, you know, changing the decision of a school board or of a county commission or a city council or a state legislature. Uh, they are many. And, they're, and, and, they're, and because the, the school, because of the, the students that, that go out and effect this kind of change, we actually are winning battles for liberty, um, and and we're holding back the tide of tyranny that uh, would have swept us off this land already had it not been for uh, this type of instruction, Sam. And when oftentimes, ladies and gentlemen, is a little different than you might think. Let's say a thousand bills go before a, a state legislative body in a given year. That is pretty much the case in Utah. Let's say 500 bills typically get passed. That means 50% of them fail. To us, a lot of the stopping of bills that could come to the forefront and be passed fail because we stand against them. That is a huge win, although you might not get individual credit for each of the wins that we have. Because in a session of 60 days or whatever, like Utah, if there's 500 shutdowns of some bad bills, we get a lot of gains. Although we never highlight them completely. We should. We ought to. I mean, it's hard. But uh, So that's an example. Another example is oftentimes we win because, you know, let's say there's 20 issues in a given bill. I know they should be single issues, one one subject at a time act, I know. And I know they should be short, single-page bills, one-page bills and stuff. But when you get these big bills, let's say there's 20 things in there, and we basically get five of them gone completely, and another five we get where it's not um, as bad as it could have been, so to speak. You could say that's a loss because we, pa- we passed the bill. But I would say there's so many wins in there that it's shocking. So oftentimes it's really difficult to highlight the wins enough to make people realize how much behind-the-scenes work is really done and how much we really did gain, even though it seems like, oh, man, we lost a lot. Um, again, it's running interference. It's standing for liberty. It's, and a lot of times those wins are very hard to kind of categorize and understand, and the work behind those um, wins is even more difficult to really appreciate, Lowell. Uh, good point, Sam. Um, you know, the gold and silver that's legal in Utah today uh, came because of, um, of good activism. Um, Larry Hilton uh, authored the bill, uh, the bills, there are a number of them, but basically, you know, the, uh, removing the capital gains tax on the exchange of gold and silver coin, making gold and silver coin legal tender again, once again, in the state of Utah, so you can, uh, you can buy it and sell it without capital gains uh, taxes. Uh, and so forth. I mean, it's it's legal in Utah. Now there are numerous states around the country that are following suit. That is an example of activism uh, that uh, is uh, restoring liberty. You know, we're just, it, 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 Thomas Jefferson said the ground of liberty is to be restored one step at a time or one inch at a time, and it, it does take time. We've lost our liberty incrementally. We've got to restore it incrementally as well. We'd love to do it in one fell swoop, but that just tends not to be the case. That's it tends not to be the way things happen. And I say the same thing slightly differently. I say one heart, one mind, one issue at a time quite a bit. And that's the same principle that Ron Paul is speaking of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Sam. All right, ladies and gentlemen. 
the Olympics, a wonderful thing designed to try to get nations together and let people know that we're all human, and that takes us a long way, and it has in the past. But, man, things have changed. Lowell? <laughs> well, you know my family loves to watch the games. We especially love the gymnastics during the summer games, the ice skating during the winter games, and many, many other sports, of course. This year, however, Sam, I was utterly I had no interest in watching the opening ceremonies once I saw how people were masked up. You know, my interest in watching the competition is markedly reduced as well. Well, why? Because it's a masking theater. I mean, they're on the stage, the world stage. We've got all these people wearing masks. And uh, there's no crowds in the venues cheering on the athletes. These athletes have put their heart and soul and hours, hundreds of hours, into training for these marvelous Olympic events. And their families can't even be with them, can't even be in the stands cheering them on. Um, and, and, and because of that, it's the theater, the way it's all set up and being broadcast, it's broadcasting to the world this, uh, this, this submission to this worldwide authority, this health authority, this new technocracy, that, uh, you know, they, that's more important than uh, being together, being, being, you know, being out there. They're denying the sacred uh, blessing of an immune system in the human body. I mean, there's just so many, there's so much wrong with what they're doing, but they're making very public this idea that, you have to mask up and you have to avoid one another. I mean, aren't we done with this already? I mean, this is a year no and a half old theme. I just, it's sickening. Well, and here's what's interesting. Not only has it become the biggest masking theater on earth to show the world that they're in clear submission, but what, they're not even letting fans attend this thing like usual and everything else, denying the athletes their support. No, I mean, it's just, this just really uh, destroys human love and respect and appreciation and association and all things that humans thrive on, Lowell. It sure does, Sam, and that's what's so disappointing about it. Obviously, I'm excited about the athletes and their competitive abilities. Uh, we watched uh, Simone Biles and the USA women's gymnastics team, of course, last night. We watched the swim team. We watched uh, the, the, the skateboard. I mean, lots of wonderful athletes uh, competing, but it's all done under the auspices or in the setting of this uh, this. Uh, this COVID scare, this fear-mongering that goes on over and, I mean, day after day. It's incessant, and that's what's so disappointing to me about it, Sam. Well, and now they told everybody that if you were vaccinated, you could take off your masks, but now they're saying because of the Delta, you know, D variant or whatever else, it's a, kind of an outbreak. And now they're saying, well, by golly, we might have to even reverse our comment on that. So you got science just, you know, babbling around, political manipulations everywhere. It's not science. They're lying and they're dishonest about that reality, too, because how do you say, well, it's fine now to take off your mask? Whoa, hold on. Whoa, a new variant came. Everybody's got to put on their masks again. We're being manipulated, basically, ladies and gentlemen, by leaders that are on a puppet string. It's clear and easy to see. And we need to start literally taking off the gloves and saying, look, we're not going to tolerate this. And I was so excited to see the sheriffs stand up and say, look, we're not mandating masks. We're not shutting down um, businesses, and we're not going to force vaccines in our counties. We're just not doing it. So I was very encouraged by these sheriffs that I had the time to spend time with, eat dinner with, stand on the stage with, uh, and really articulate this reality. What we need to do is make sure the American people back their sheriffs, back those who are willing to stand, because that's where the rubber meets the road. Speaking of that, uh, in Sweden, it has become a shining example on a hill. Sadly, America should have been that, but I guess we got to give that title, speaking of the Olympics, to Sweden, huh, Lol? I guess we do, Sam. 
people haven't heard much about Sweden in the news lately. Well, they haven't because the lamestream media doesn't want you to know what Sweden is doing or why Sweden ought to be in the news. Their their seven-day rolling average for COVID deaths, Sam, is zero. It's nada, zero. And it's been zero for over a week now. That's incredible, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk about this when we come back from the break. But the headline says, Daily COVID deaths in Sweden hit zero as other nations brace for more lockdowns. You get the picture. Lowell Nelson with details in seconds. Campaignforliberty.org. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Saying that he is a part of the decision. Dr. Anthony Fauci on CNN Saturday says bringing back mass mandates is under active consideration. We're seeing that in L.A., we're seeing it in Chicago, we're seeing that in New Orleans because the officials there, many of them are saying, even if you're vaccinated, it's prudent to wear a mask indoors. Fauci did not say whether or not he supported mass mandates for the vaccinated. Although the pandemic put school life on hold in the spring of 2020, some parents are grateful it happened. They're now opting to homeschool their children, even as school plans to resume in-person classes. The U.S. Census Bureau, which reported in March that the rate of household homeschooling their children rose to 11% by September of 2020. It was just 5.4% of American households six months earlier. Thanks for listening. It is well appreciated. We are USA Radio News. They're calling it the new socialism. More and more Democratic lawmakers want everyone to get a basic income, even if they don't work. Free health care, free college, and more. Now, every night this week, Rob Schmidt is on Newsmax, pushing back on the new socialism and its leaders like AOC and Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden's spending programs are already costing you trillions as inflation is soaring. If you care about your money, you need to watch Rob Schmidt tonight. Find out why socialism doesn't really work and how it actually can cost you a lot. Get Newsmax TV on all major cable systems. If your operator doesn't carry it, call them and demand Newsmax or you can switch. Also, find Newsmax for free on most streaming systems like Roku, Samsung, LG, Pluto, Zumo, and more. Or download the free Newsmax app on your phone and watch it anywhere. More than 30 million Americans are tuning into Newsmax because it's news they can trust. Gasoline prices continue to go in the wrong direction. John Clemens reports. At $3.14 for a gallon of gasoline is 5 cents higher than last month and 95 cents higher than a year ago. Meanwhile, Patrick DeHaan of GasBuddy.com tells us gasoline consumption continues to increase. Overall, though gas prices have decreased slightly in the last week, the trend may be short-lived. That, as U.S. gasoline demand surged to set a new 2021 record last week, rising 2.3% from the prior week to 3% above the four-week average. Another problem running into the attack on fossil fuels, the airport serving northern Nevada, Reno-Tahoe International Airport, faces a shortage of jet fuel that could force cancellation of cargo and passenger flights. Nevada Democrat leaders Governor Steve Sisolak, Senators Catherine Cortez Masto, and Jackie Rosen put out a press release saying the shortage is unacceptable. USA Radio News. 
with news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org on your radio. We're talking about the Olympics. What a shame. Shutdown. Yeah, the biggest political reality in America and around the world. What do you call it? The Olympics, the biggest masking theater on earth. They're literally trying to just gloat, lord over us as a, as a global tyranny, saying, look, we've got you all into submission. Never forget it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we will never forget it. We will jettison that narrative. That's a lie. Proof in the pudding, daily COVID deaths in Sweden hit zero. And it's been that way for a rolling weekly average of zero. As other nations brace for more lockdowns, Sweden literally free. I wish America was taking the lead on this. We should be the beacon on the hill, but no, we've got to give that title to Sweden. Sweden was maligned last year. Big time because it did not lock down, lol. That's right. The Guardian, for example, called, called its response to the, the COVID thing a, quote, a catastrophe in the making, <laughs> end of quote. CBS News said Sweden had become, quote, an example of how not to handle COVID-19, end of quote. And yet, what was their approach? Well, their approach in Sweden was to not lock down, to not impose a mask mandate, to not close businesses, and to not close schools. So while Sweden took a lot of heat for its approach, its overall mortality rate, Sam, in 2020 was lower than most of Europe, and its economy has suffered far less. And what's the deal today? Well, Sweden is free, freer and healthier than virtually any other country in Europe. You know, they didn't lock down. They're like South Dakota, like Florida. They uh, they didn't lock down, and their 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 countrymen, their citizens, are far freer. They're healthier, and look at that overall mortality. The seven day rolling average now has been zero for now, about a week the, now in Sweden. Here's the interesting part, in my opinion, Lowell. It would be one thing if people who didn't know the truth went different directions on this. So Sweden said we're not going to lock down. America said we're going to lock down hard, right? It would be one thing if those two nations went their own way in the early onset of this, not really knowing scientifically what the best choice was. But at the end of the day, a year and a half later, it is clear what action should have been taken. And if we would now start to take the action of Sweden, I might have a little bit of respect saying, hey, those who felt like they were in authority made choices and da da da. But now that we know the truth... Sweden's example becomes the shining light on a hill, and America becomes the example of shame. You would think that right now we would start to say, okay, you know what? We see. We get it. But all we're doing is doubling down in lockdowns. All we're doing is forcing this world narrative via the Olympic theater that everybody needs to be masked. All we're doing now is continuing in the way that we know clearly to be wrong. It's nothing more than the presence of evil in your face. In fact, Paul Craig Roberts writes a column on that very topic to hammer the point home, Lowell. <laughs> Entitled The Prevalence of Evil. His excellent column you can find at lourockwell.com. Uh, it was posted just Saturday, just two days ago. And listen to this, Sam. He says this, The evidence is now overwhelming that we have been systematically and intentionally lied to by public health agencies that in reality are captured regulatory bodies serving the interests of big pharma by an incompetent and indoctrinated medical profession, by politicians, and by scum prostitutes. 
The alleged COVID pandemic is the product of a defective test. He's referring there to the PCR test. The alleged new outbreak consists of adverse consequences of the vaccine. The new outbreak is occurring among the vaccinated. Let me just interject here, Sam, that, you know, I, I rarely watch network TV, but I did last night because, you know, the, I was watching the Olympics. And so I you know, saw that news break at 9.30 here in the Intermountain West. And uh, what were they saying during the news, news break? They were saying that the, uh, the outbreak of, uh, you know, this Delta D or, yeah, Delta variant or something of COVID outbreak was occurring among 99% of them among the unvaccinated. That is an outright lie, just blatant lie. The outbreaks are occurring more among the vaccinated than the unvaccinated if you want to call these few dozen cases an outbreak. I mean, it's been pretty incredible. But getting back to Paul Craig Roberts' column, he continues, uh, many highly credible experts have warned repeatedly about the official response to the pandemic and were censored. Those who stifled the warnings are mass murderers who should be arrested, indicted, and put on trial. I noticed, by the way, Sam, that Rand Paul referred Fauci to the Justice Department for indictment, uh, and boy, I sure hope that thing gets legs. It won't because it's the DOJ, but I sure appreciated Rand's doing that. And it won't um, because n- enough Americans don't back Rand Paul. Let me give you an example. The sheriffs say, we're willing to stand up for you, but you've got to back us, though. If we stand up all by ourselves, you know what? We're just going to get beat, and we're not going to be elected next term. And if that's what you want, then we'll just go out of office. But you know what? If the American people back their sheriffs, if the American people back their congressmen and senators, if the American people back good people that are doing right, just imagine if Rand Paul had 25 million Americans that said, we agree and you better get it done. And they literally made their views known every single day, every talk show, every congressman and senator's appearance, every that we literally doubled down on that. I'm telling you, we'd get traction. But without the American people backing those who are willing to stand up for liberty, that is the, in my opinion, one of the greatest quintessential problems we have in America today. And that's why it's so helpful, Sam, uh, upon, you know, have all alternative media, such as Liberty Roundtable, to get the word out. Because if every one of your subscribers or listeners would, would call today and, you know, in support of Rand Paul, for example, uh, or uh, and maybe their own state legislators and ask them to round up the people who in the state have been espousing this this dogma, this, this, this uh, propaganda. I mean, it would make a big, big difference. So let's do that, folks. Let's, and I look at Rand Paul, calls. and I appreciate his stance, and I completely agree with him. But where's Mike Lee and 20 other senators that are willing to stand by his mm-hmm. side? Where's Mike Lee? Where's Ted Cruz? Where's, okay, and in the House, where are all these other people? I don't know. They mm-hmm. seem to be just missing. But the presence of evil uh, is really everywhere, writes Paul Craig Roberts, right? Well, in, in the, the very bottom of the article, Sam, he, he refers to a da- the database in Europe that's very similar to the VAERS database here in the U.S., in the United States. It's called uh, the UDRA Vigilance. It's the European database of suspected adverse drug reaction reports. Now, the reason I mentioned this, Sam, is because I had never heard about this database until this weekend when I read this column by Paul Craig Roberts. It's reporting an astronomical number of deaths and injuries associated with the COVID-19 clot shot, which is experimental gene therapy. That's the name I heard last week, Sam, clot shot. I love it because 
it's so it 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 um, it it's a degrading term, and 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 it really isn't a vaccine, as you know. Anyway, it's experimental gene therapy, and it it does uh, cause clotting uh, problems, and so I call it the clot shot, Sam. Anyway, the data the data in this database, the U drug vigilance database in Europe. The data shows 18,928 fatalities, Sam. That's almost 19,000 uh, fatalities uh, and over almost 2 million injuries following COVID-19 injections through July 17th, just one week ago. And, the, 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 uh, and they come from four different manufacturers of the clot shot, Moderna, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, and Janssen. And this comes, Sam, on the heels of news that an Ohio-based attorney, Thomas Renz, who spoke this past weekend at a conference in Anaheim, California, announced that he was filing a federal lawsuit in Alabama based on a sworn declaration under threat of perjury from an alleged whistleblower from the CDC who claims to have inside knowledge of a cover-up of reported deaths filed with the CDC, the VAERS reporting system. This whistleblower claims 45,000 deaths were reported to VAERS all within three days of the clot shot. And I think the number of deaths reported to VAERS as of last week was about 10,000, right? So if 10,000 is what's in the database today, and this whistleblower is claiming actually 45,000 deaths, well, this whistleblower, and if this whistleblower is right, then that just says that the CDC is deleting from their database many of the records that have been added. So to me, this is astounding, Sam. Well, you've got the, the database in Europe reporting uh, almost 20,000 fatalities. You've got the VAERS database here in the United States re have reporting 10,000 fatalities and a whistleblower saying it really ought to be 45,000 fatalities. To me, this is scandalous, Sam, that a product that's causing more than 50 deaths is left on the market. In fact, it's being urged upon the, the people by government. They're going door to door in not, North Carolina. Not only Sam. urged, but virtually almost forced. Yep. And we we're debating yep. how much force will be exerted over the next few months and years. What a shame. We're also finding out that the J&J &J vaccines had a lot of promises to them that now are failures as well and more. So there you go. Quick pause. Sam and Lowell in seconds. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids.
Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. is clear we've been saying it forever but now more and more evidence comes out every single day they're lying to us on the cocoa reality of the virus they're also lying to us on vaccines and i submit to you they're gearing up to put vaccines and viruses as the center stage solution that along with climate change to literally shut down your liberties ladies and gentlemen Next hour, I've got an article that's coming out. They're saying they now dug up a bunch of viruses, got them out of the ice. Yeah, thousands of year old viruses came out of the ice. Never seen before novel viruses. And you watch one of these viruses and somehow, whoops, just get released or something. Who knows? All I'm telling you is they're fiction to scare you into oblivion via vaccination, via shots, via disease, via that's their big because they found they can steal more liberty under that banner than virtually any other. They'll follow that up with climate change. Don't you know they got the viruses from the ice because the ice is melting and climate change and by golly, it's on the heels. Look out the prevalence of evil. Paul Craig Roberts writes the article. Very good stuff. We want to talk about Dr. Peter McCullough too uh, before the end of the hour. Lowell? We do, Sam, because this is an interview that you really need to watch. It's, uh, I think, a 26-minute interview. I really like the style. The interviewer just asks very simple questions. He doesn't blab on and pontificate, but he just very serious, simple questions. And the Dr. McCullough, Peter McCullough, just answers those questions just straight, objectively, uh, boom, boom, boom. Now, this Dr. McCullough, Sam, is a professor at Texas A&M College of Medicine, president of the Cardiorenal Society of America. He has 46 peer-reviewed publications on COVID-19 and is considered among the world's experts on the topic. Now, this Dr. McCullough, Sam, he practices medicine in Dallas. He was a proponent of the clot shots when they first came out. Well, he was a proponent until the numerous adverse reactions among his patients changed his mind completely sounds very similar to this. Remember, that we talked last week about Charles uh, Hoffa, the doctor in yeah, the Canadian um, British doctor. Columbia. That's right. Yeah. Yes, sir. The very same type of thing. He, he initially supported the clot shots, and then he saw the adverse reactions among his patients, and then he changed his mind. He said during this interview, he said, initially they look good. And then he says this. He says, quote, looking backwards now, on January 22nd, we had actually already had 186 deaths that had occurred after the vaccine. The threshold of concern is about 150 or so. 
in general, we get about 150 deaths for all the vaccines combined, 500 million shots per year across 70 vaccines, but for a single vaccine, it's dot, 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 he trails off. He says, I think if we had had a data and safety monitoring board, they would have shut down the vaccine in February of 2021. That's February of this year. Where are we now? We're clear into July and the government is going strong and pushing this stuff on people. These clot shots, they're dangerous. They're killing people. Yeah, I mean, look back at the swine flu, Sam. 25 people died from the swine flu vaccine, and they shut it down immediately. And here we have the CDC now acknowledging over 12,000 deaths. Uh, wow. I mean, Dr. Peter McCullough said that there are two important analyses came forward, one from McLaughlin in, in London and one by Rose, using the VAERS data, and they basically concluded this, that half of the deaths occur within 48 hours of the injection, and that 80% of the deaths occur within a week after the injection. And then you, the reason I'm spending, mentioning this article, Sam, is, is you need to go, our listeners need to go to lourockwell.com and get the uh, article on Peter McCullough. Uh, it, and, and listen to this 26-minute interview. It is absolutely phenomenal. They get into more detail about the clot shots, the systems that are uh, adversely affected, meaning the brain, the heart, the immune system, and the hematologic system, meaning the circulatory or the blood system. And so if you, uh, if you haven't listened to this already, please do so. 26 minutes long, well worth the time, especially if you're sitting on the fence about the clot shots or if you have family or friends even thinking about it. And it's time really, no matter how you feel about vaccines, ladies and gentlemen, to let the information become transparent. And that's my biggest problem with these pro-vaxxer folks. You know what? When are you going to deal with transparent information and let people decide for themselves? No, you're into fear-mongering and force, which tells me you don't have evidence and reality on your side. You know that if people get this information, they won't want to get vaccinated. That's why you're pushing so belligerently and and literally um, attacking the character of everybody else who's against them, et cetera, et cetera. I pray that Peter McCullough doesn't get uh, shut down and fired or, you know, I hope they don't try to uh, derail his incredibly established uh, career. But that takes real guts for a doctor to say, you know what, I was originally for them, but now what I see the evidence, the reality, I'm not anymore. These studies, uh, late-breaking studies, are very, very uh, important, but we need to be very careful. Look, let's just get the information out and let people decide for themselves. The fact is, Dr. Peter McCullough has got an urgent warning about the poisonous jabs. Beware, sit up, take notice, because you guys said forever we didn't have any evidence. The vaccines were safe and effective. Now we're proving they are not. And therefore, that needs to stand as a big barrier to ever getting FDA approval on these uh, experimental gene therapies. Uh, We need to really stand up, and now is the time. For all Americans to come to the aid of their country and make sure that this evidence is so blatant, so clear, so transparent that they cannot ignore reality uh, on it. All right. Ron Paul writes the incredible column about Ed Exit to protect your kids from critical race theory. Lol. That's posted at CampaignForLiberty.org. And he say, is saying what you've been saying for years, Sam. Get your children out of the public government schools. The way the schools are teaching critical race theory to school children is of great concern. And, and you know, that's the, that's the topic today. Well, yesterday it was uh, Common Core, right? I mean, yesteryear and, and so on. I mean, so 
reasons to get your children out of public school. And I just heard over the news break right here, Sam, that uh, the, the number of uh, homeschooling uh, children has doubled because of COVID. And I, I think that, that was a, uh, one of the, the uh, hidden blessings, you know, the silver lining on the, on the cloud of COVID was that so many parents have realized that uh, they don't want their children indoctrinated in these public schools, and so they're pulling their children out and they're turning to homeschool instead. I just wanted to make that point. Now, central to this critical race theory is the belief that free markets are a tool of racial oppression that must be abolished and replaced with socialism. Well, this is just dangerous nonsense, as Ron Paul says. History shows us that governments, not free markets, Governments are always and always have been the instruments of racial oppression. Look at the Jim Crow laws, for example. Look at the war on drugs, the minimum wage laws, occupational licensing laws, etc. All of these laws enacted by government harm minorities. And so they are the real racist. Government is the real racist in, in this country and probably around the world. Uh, well, there's no suggest- doubt about it. An article just came out where they're talking about how um, government has been giving non-whites more financial support to buy homes than everybody else as well. So mm. the racist agenda of the federal government has become legendary and sat out all-encompassing. But here's the point. Ron Paul has a great solution for Ed Exit, lol. <laughs> and that is to exit your children out of public uh, government-run schools. Homeschooling is increasingly attractive option, and uh, you know how do you do that? Well, you restore parental control of education dollars through education tax credits and tax-free education savings accounts. That's how you do it. You give parents the economic freedom to take their children out of the public schools because, for many many parents, it's so it's it's economically not feasible. But through tax credits. And through tax-free education savings account, you can make that happen. And this can be done on the state legislature level, Sam. Ron's right. Ron's right. Now now is the time to strike as well, Lowell, because you know what? Um, More Americans are realizing the truth on this than ever before. So while the COVID's still being pushed and everything else and people still want to stay home, and now's the time to push for these tax credits and these – Tax-free education savings account. This will enable parents to enable uh, private homeschooling for their children. Homeschooling become an incredible, viable option, more so than ever before, and Americans know it. Final story of the hour. I guess uh, Ted Cruz sent Lowell Nelson a letter after Lowell wrote I, Ted on term limits, Lowell. I have it right here in my hand, Sam. <laughs> a petition for term limits. Well, you know, a lot of people like term limits. They think they like term limits, but I don't think they've really thought through what that means, what term limits would mean. Um, here, here, Ted Cruz wants my support for a constitutional amendment that would impose term limits on members of Congress. And he talks about the corruption in Congress and the career politicians there and so forth. Well, I think it's, um, it's worth spending just a couple minutes on discussing the idea of term limits because we need to expose it's dangerous. And so I've listed here four reasons why I oppose term limits, Sam, and they are, and then I want, want to get your input on them. Number one, we already have term limits. They're called regular elections. Um, number two, imposing term limits imposes a constraint on the citizen, right? We can't choose someone who's actually doing a good job. Someone like Ron Paul, for example, or Larry McDonald from Georgia. 
uh, Mike Lee from Utah, right? I mean, these people are doing a good job, and so if we had term limits, we wouldn't be able to reelect them. That's a, that's a constraint on the citizen, on the electorate, not on the politician. Number three, the framers considered term limits at the Philadelphia Convention, Sam, but they expressly rejected them. They were in the Articles of Confederation, by the way. They had term limits in the Articles. But after a decade of using the Articles, the framers decided not to use them, not to put them in the Constitution. And finally, the lame-duck congressmen are a great danger because they will be free to vote in all the socialism they want, knowing that they will not be in office once their terms have, have uh, been served. And therefore, no amount of citizen pressure will be able to influence them and uh, can you just imagine, Sam, a lame duck U.S. Senator Mitt Romney for six long years? <laughs> I mean, look at the damage that they they could do if they didn't have the pressure of the citizenry on them. The reason they do heal to citizen pressure is because they want to be reelected, and so they have to. Their actions, their votes, have to conform with what the citizens want else they'll find themselves without a job. So it's, it, it, you know, that, that citizen pressure is very helpful in the cause of liberty as long as citizens get involved. One more reason I didn't list here, Sam, is because if you impose term limits, then I think the citizens will go to sleep thinking that, well, he's only going to be in for two years or four years or maybe six years, and then we'll get a better guy in. Well, the citizenry will go to sleep because they're relying on a mechanistic solution to the corruption in Congress instead of taking an active role and watching those people in Congress. Really quick, I am a thousand percent against term limits, and I'm going to give you the one quintessential reason why. The whole system of the United States is based on incredible checks and balances, and the American people have their check and balance at the ballot box. They also have their check and balance on who they support. Uh, they have their check and balance at the fully informed jury and more. We are the last line of defense, if you will. If you enact term limits, you take the American people much more out of the game because you all of a sudden get people leaving office, that revolving door, backed by vote fraud, backed by bureaucrats putting their people in with power and money. It is disaster. Our founders said you have a republic if you can keep it. Your job is not to rely on term limits to solve your problems. Your job is to be informed and make a difference and insert yourself into the political process. Thus, Lowell's Leadership School this Saturday. Check it out. God save the Republic. Thanks, Lowell. Live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt continues now. This is the broadcast for what July twenty-sixth in the year of our Lord two thousand and twenty-one. This is our two of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Of course, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land. Of course, we advocate for the checks and balances that made America great. That is one of the great peaceful solutions we have at our fingertips, and of course, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country 
on the face of the earth. Dr. Scott Bradley with me. His whole goal in life to preserve the nation. Wow, he's got a collegiate series and book series to match. Look for it on freedomsrisingsun.com along with well over a thousand videos, weekly webinars, and more. That is freedomsrisingsun.com. Welcome back, Dr. Bradley. Well, thank you, and I presume that uh, welcoming you back is also appropriate in that you've come back from that uh, great gathering that you had out in South Dakota, and uh, hopefully it was uh, something that uh, promoted and encouraged and even fostered the return return to liberty and proper government. We literally had uh, a former sheriff. He was outed on term limits and got reelected as a county commissioner. Uh, um, Brad Rogers is his name. And then we had four current sitting sheriffs, two from Texas, one from Washington State, and one from Michigan State. And uh, so we had a former sheriff, current county commissioner, uh, and four sitting sheriffs on a panel. It was a tremendous panel. In that panel, sheriffs threatened to arrest any government official from the state or federal level or county level that literally violated the rule of law. These sheriffs are getting serious. And they're doubling down. They pointed to examples of when they've already done that. Uh, and they pointed to examples of what they're doing currently now to do that. They're rejecting masks mandates. They're rejecting businesses being shut down. And they're rejecting forced jabs in their community. And they said anybody coming around trying to do that will be promptly arrested. Uh, so anyway, just a tremendous public announcement by these uh, four sheriffs and growing as more and more counties start to look towards constitutional county status we're really making some progress here at the local level dr bradley it's not enough but it's a huge direct clear start and solution oh absolutely we need that movement to grow by thousands of sheriffs and we need to have them not be you know just blather 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 you know in word only kind of thing drawing near to the lord with their lips only in their mouths you know and their lips but uh, their hearts are far from these principles I have sat down with my sheriff a number of times, and and, uh, and and we get that superficial recognition and support and everything like that. But what it really comes down to is ultimately and finally he spins it in a um, in a manner that that basically gives him a kind of uh, scooch room, wiggle room, and and he's going to play it the way he wants when it's politically the way it needs to be. I, I really am saddened by so many of these that should have the backbone and steel in their backs to do these kind of things, but so few do. And I'm hoping that this uh, movement that you've talked about is is spread far and wide so that other sheriffs can kind of see what their duty is. Let me give you an example. Bob Songer sent out a letter that Michael Prutka and me and others helped write um, and then he basically put the finishing touches on it. He added some things to it and made it stronger. And he really said if, if any bureaucrats, any professional do-gooders, any elected officials up and down the line from the county to the city to the state to the feds, if they um, you know move forward with anything unconstitutional or anything breaking the law, he will arrest them. And they literally had the city council uh, and county commission and all these people started going against him big time. And he brought up this idea that, you know, they're going against me because they want to break the law. And they've been breaking the law for quite some time. And you know what? Why are they mad that he wants to uphold the law to this degree? So long story short, a city council tried to get the city police chief to arrest the sheriff. And the police chief said, are you off your rocker crazy? 
the sheriff has authority to arrest me, not the other way around. And so we're starting to get real documentation on this. This is real time. This has been happening right now. It's Bob Songer currently elected. And, and these sheriffs are literally going after this uh, reality right now. Several of these uh, sheriffs are saying we're not doing um, business shutdowns in my county. We're not doing that. And, and so they're really starting to take off the gloves, and we'll see how far this goes. But in my opinion, what we're talking about is jurisdictional reality, ladies and gentlemen. And we're not, you know, what they now just wrote a USA Today article about us. It was out of USA Florida, which is part of USA Today. And they said we, uh, as the constitutional sheriff's organizations, believe that the sheriffs are above the law, that the sheriffs can do whatever they want to. And that is a complete lie. What we believe is that the law is on the sheriff's side, and it is jurisdictional. And the sheriff is the chief executive in a county. Even if you have a mayor or somebody else, you know what? The law enforcement officer is the chief executive in a county. Now, are we saying he's above the law? Of course, we are not saying that. But we are saying he's living beneath this privilege, and he has plenty of authority, and he needs to start using it. If the IRS comes into his county, if the federal government comes to his county, they don't have any authority there, period. And if you don't believe me, the Supreme Court case that Richard Mack won documents this very, very clearly. It's, it's one of the greatest Tenth Amendment decisions ever rendered in American history. Okay, this is serious business. And we're not saying the sheriff's above the law, but we are saying he has tremendous latitude. But the sheriff's brought up an important point uh, on the campaign or on the stage the, the other day when we're presenting these panels and publicly speaking and everything. And they said, you know, we can do a lot of good, but you know what? If the people don't back us, all they're going to do is kick us out next election cycle. Uh, and that's what happened to Sheriff Richard Mack, but he won at the Supreme Court. But we need Americans to start backing their sheriffs. I think that is critical. And the sooner we learn it, the sooner we know it, the better. Speaking of that, this topic I think is just as worthy of discussion, Dr. Bradley, but I wanted to brief you a little bit on what happened uh, there and how it went. It went just phenomenal. We packed the house many times, uh, and these sheriffs did a great job, and we had a fantastic dinner, and I had the chance to speak on critical issues. And I was sitting on a panel and the title of the panel was Busted, is the uh, justice system permanently broken? <clears throat> and I responded and said the answer is absolutely unequivocally yes. Unless, was my point. Unless, in other words, if we just stick with the status quo, keep doing what we've always done, we're going to keep getting what we've always got. So yes, it's broke. But I also mentioned that there are ways to solve it. And there was two ladies and me and Richard Mack on the panel. One of the ladies was an um, attorney. And uh, Bob Barr, believe it or not, of all people, was the moderator. And um, you know what? Some of these colleagues on that panel with me hit it out of the park. The attorney said we need fully informed juries to solve the problem. And we all clapped and completely agreed with that reality. Richard Mack said the county sheriff of America's last hope is a great way we can solve the problem. And I agree with all those ideas. But I mentioned that, ladies and gentlemen, look, let me just be very blunt, very clear. The answer to this problem is not political. It is not who you get elected. It's not, you know, in the realms of attorneys and courts and laws and this and that. You got to look towards God, not government for your solutions. And God promises us biblically that if we look to him and we repent and change, he will heal our land and protect us. That is a powerful promise, ladies and gentlemen. And so I focused on we need to look to God, not government. And the second thing we need to do is we need to realize that family is the fundamental unit of society, not communities, not government, not schools, not workplace, not Family, family, family. And you know what? Society just mirrors the family. If the family's melting down and in trouble, society will be the same. 
But if you literally turn to God and fix the family, a mother and the father with stability uh, for their children, uh, and, and you put together the, the time-tested, God-ordained traditional family, and you make that strong, society will mirror that as well. And so I basically was on this panel, and I was the only one to assert this. And people didn't really want to talk about this very much. People seem to somehow remain silent and shy away from real, powerful, productive solutions for some reason. But I merely said it's God and it's family that are, that are the answers to this justice system permanently broken. If strong fathers love their wives and love the mothers of their children, and mothers and fathers are together raising their children, teaching them to turn to Christ, teaching them to follow the Prince of Peace, teaching them to keep the Ten Commandments of God. We don't need all these gazillion commandments from government. Um, and if we had strong families, if we had mothers and fathers and children, I'm not saying you would have no crime, and I'm not saying everything would be perfect. But I am saying I think that 95-plus percent of the problem would be instantly resolved. Okay? And, uh, you know, families that pray together stay together is how it goes. And, and so I put this powerful uh, voice forward. That was my... Um, I don't know what you want to say, contribute to the panel, Dr. Bradley. And I think it would be a great segue for you to chime in on my assertions. Well, absolutely. And I believe we're just about at the end of the segment. But I would like to read you something that uh, probably arguably the best president of the 20th century uh, spoke uh, 100 years ago, if you can believe that. And uh, and that reiterates what you're saying. Uh, our big problem today, Sam, is that we have adopted a civil religion. It's a godless religion. It's called humanism. It's uh, taught in all of our. It's it, it violates the First Amendment in that it is a a tax-supported religious belief system. It's a faith-based belief system without a divine God. It's called humanism. And uh, even humanists uh, call themselves religious humanists because they believe and they know that it's faith-based, but they don't have a divine God. They believe in the wisdom of man and his learning and all this kind of stuff. And what we did back in 1962 is we excommunicated the the divine source of, of all learning, God, from our schools. And since then, we've been harvesting this terrible terrible situation we're into now all right hey tight ladies and gentlemen dr bradley set up the teaser when we get back he'll read it he'll also tell you the president he uh, is focusing on and we'll talk about that in relation to my comments on this incredible panel busted is the justice system permanently broken my response is yes and less and i focused on god and family if you want to fix the country quick pause dr bradley will continue in seconds on your favorite hard-hitting talk station The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things, and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while, at the same time, exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T.com. MericaFirst.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to fix the country? You want to fix the justice system? You can take any issue under the sun, and I'm telling you that you need to look to God and family. It's God and family before country, don't you know? Dr. Bradley with me. He's breaking this down. I kind of highlighted this reality check on the panel. And I said, look, the traditional family is the answer. Looking to God Almighty instead of government is the answer. There were a lot of other reality checks and and great comments in the panel. I'm not doubting any of the other panelists, but I am saying they had great solutions, but I mentioned that their solutions are downstream. Their solutions are, you know, cause and effect solutions, and I'm not saying they're not valuable to implement as well, but they are not the core and they are not the real solution. Overall, the fundamental solution is look to God Almighty and double down on the family because society mirrors that reality check. Dr. Bradley. Well, as we mentioned before the break, uh, Calvin Coolidge, arguably the best president of the 20th century, and in spite of what some people uh, would hold dear and argue with me about that, I I believe it is probably true. He wasn't perfect, but he uh, far more reflected the founding principles of this nation than any other president. Let's, uh, Let's just hear what he said. He says, our government rests upon religion. It is from that source that we derive our reverence for truth and justice for equality and liberality, and for the rights of mankind. Unless the people believe in these principles, they cannot believe in our government. There are only two main theories of government in our world. One rests on righteousness and the other on force. One appeals to reason and the other appeals to the sword. One exemplified, one is exemplified in the Republic. The other is represented by despotism. The government of a country, country never gets ahead of the religion of a country. There is no way by which we can substitute the authority of law for the virtue of man. Of course, we endeavor to restrain the vicious and furnish a fair degree of security and protection by legislation and police control, but the real reform which society in these days is seeking will come as a result of our religious convictions, or they will not come at all. Peace, justice, humanity, charity, these cannot be legislated into being. They are a result of divine grace. Now, that was, uh, as I said, a reflection that, that more accurately parallels what the American founding fathers believed. And we could, we could give you almost innumerable examples. I mean, there certainly isn't enough time in several hour-long segments to discuss this thoroughly and completely. The religiosity of those that founded this nation, their beliefs, their, their principles, all came from the Holy Scriptures, and their, the, the manifestation of those was brought forth in the founding documents. 
Uh, we give you an example of Dr. Timothy Dwight. I mean, here we are still in July, and uh, some of those July talks that were given, boy, uh, Fourth of July things back in those days, monumental. Timothy Dwight spoke uh, expansively and extensively one time at a July 4th um, presentation in which he outlined the way the nation could stay strong and free and find a solution to all of its challenges. And, and the central theme really was honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And, and he gave extensive examples about that. And, and you, know, you look at, uh, you know, uh, ring, uh, proclaim liberty throughout all the land, Leviticus 25, that's on the, the Liberty Bell. Uh, you look at what happened with uh, John Hargrove in the Joint Session of Congress in Christmas of 1804. He's uh, on assignment by Congress spoke about the second coming of Christ and preparing the nation for the uh, the last judgment. These were the perspectives of the people, and what we have done is we have abandoned that. Again, we have excommunicated by court decree God from uh, I mean, the very source of light, knowledge, truth, learning from our educational system, and now we worship a false god uh, in the, uh, uh, the hallways, if you will, in the synagogues and churches of the humanist, and uh, it's it's we're reaping the whirlwind at this particular point. So yes, yeah, Sam, I believe that you have a very uh, uh, important critical point that needs to be had, and we the people are the ones that need to embrace that. And sadly, most of us, I, I know that we can exclude some of us in this conversation, <laughs> send their children every day to be indoctrinated by the false gods of uh, man's uh, burning, and have, uh, what, do you th- what do you think you're going to get? Well, I was teaching a Sunday school class one time. I, I asked the kids, these were 16-year-olds, they're in high school, so what, I said, how many hours a week do you spend in, in uh, your school focus? And uh, they, they gave me a, a variety or a spectrum of things. It, it varied from 40 hours a week to 70. They're immersing themselves in this false religion 40 to 70 hours a week, and how do we really expect a very brief Sunday school class, an occasional uh, mention of God in the households, uh, for that to be to be re-centered? I mean, it's appalling to me to think that with that kind of immersion, how can you dip your child in sewage? And and I use that term literally and with full purpose, how can we dip them, soak them, marinate them in sewage 40 to 70 hours a week and expect them to smell sweet? And that's kind of where we are in America today. That's why we need more masters. That's what uh, uh, Franklin talked about. uh, As we become more vicious, we need more masters. Our master will be that which uh, government, force, as has been said, government is not eloquence, it's not reason, it is force. And like fire, it's a dangerous servant and a fearful master. So we're nibbling around the edges. If we fail to uh, bring forth the true solutions that the American founders had, and and for their willingness to sacrifice, uh, give their very lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor, that we could... The primary principal direction that they took, the reason they did what they did, the reason the Pilgrim Puritans came, the reason the great majority of the people originally came to America was so that they might 
worship their God and take upon them the name of Jesus Christ and, and practice their religion and, and enjoy peace and freedom and have their wives and children provided for and supported by and lived with in, in a kind of a setting where well, it was a family setting. That was the principal primary purposes for all around the world under monarchies and other despots around the world, all of these things were being destroyed, whether it was the French Revolution or, or some emperor or, or some socialistic welfare state program that's currently around the world. America has followed the wrong trajectory. And, I and have it's highlighted, time to come back. I have highlighted that not only do we need to turn to God Almighty as opposed to government, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and Coolidge points that out really well, uh, but I submit to you that we can't just look at the family these days because the family has been obliterated 66 ways from Sunday as well. What we need to do is look at the God-ordained traditional family. And that is, you know what? God made male and female. He created them. He, them. he ordained marriage to be the great institution to which children are sent. So the procreative power between male and female legally and lawfully wedded with fidelity to one another, bringing children to the earth, partnering with God for procreation. Now, I didn't get a chance to go into all this stuff on the panel. There just wasn't time and they wouldn't let me. But uh, this God-ordained traditional family needs to be focused on as well. I'm not here to beat up anybody else that doesn't have a family or whatever else and they you know, make other people part of their family. And you know, you've got your church family and you've got your community families. And, and I'm not downing those things, ladies and gentlemen. But I am elevating this focus and principle of the God-ordained uh, family. Uh, that is fundamental, and you cannot jettison that God-ordained reality of a family either. Now, sure, if people don't have families, hey, they can find in the human race, the human family, any families they can cobble together, and that's wonderful. I'm not downing that. Everybody needs someone. But I am highlighting and focusing on this God-ordained traditional family as well, Doctor, because you can't let the family just be this nebulous a term that has no direct understanding of a male and a female, a, a husband and a wife, a father and a mother at the helm, standing side by side to carry out these sacred responsibilities before God Almighty as they partner with God to bring forward the next generations and teach them about God and family and country, teach them about these principles. You cannot let just the family be this generic term with no real guidelines, no real direction. You've got to understand family is the fundamental leader of society, but it's the God-ordained traditional family we're talking about uh, is the key here. And I get it. When families fall apart, you do the next best thing. I understand. But let's not act like it's all equal because it isn't and never will be. Doctor? Well, again, we're coming up on a break, but uh, let's talk about that when we come back because uh, th what's happening today is exactly what we're doing with our Constitution. We're redefining terms. You know, the Constitution's written in plain English. They're words. They're English words. And anybody that can, uh, has learned English could, can know the meaning and the names and what they stand for. And, and what has happened is that the people are thinking that they can take those words and make them mean anything that they want. The reality of a logic, reason, and intelligence would tell you they can only mean what they were written in and the day they were written and what they meant in that day. And we've, Hopefully we can talk about family when we get back and how this works under it. God's plan. And, and I also want to say that when it's God laying out the definition, then you better really sit up and take notice, my dear brothers and sisters. Hang tight. Dr. Bradley with us. Freedomsrisingsun.com is website. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Proclaiming liberty across the land. 
You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Ratings for the Olympic Games opening ceremony were down 36% compared to 2016, according to preliminary numbers from NBC Universal. The numbers for the Tokyo Games marked the lowest audience for Olympic opening ceremony events in 30 years. California's biggest wildfire, the Dixie Fire, merged with another blaze as it burned homes in Northern California Sunday. The Dixie Fire is one of 86 large wildfires burning across the western U.S. Citizen anger over Tunisia's handling of a recent spike in COVID cases has added to general unrest over the nation's economic and social turmoil. Tunisian President Kais Sayed announced Sunday that he had dismissed the country's prime minister and frozen parliament. The move, which comes on the 64th anniversary of Tunisia's independence, Tunisia's revolution in 2011 is often displayed as the sole success of the Arab Spring revolts across the region, but it has not led to stability economically or politically. USA Radio News. If you drive a car, truck, SUV, or vehicle of any kind, you need GetUpside, the free gas app that pays. As the federal government's open border policy is not a one-size-fits-all, Texas lawmakers are fighting back on Washington's policy. Dan Naraki from the Ohio USA Radio News Bureau reports. The state of Texas has started using a new tool to fight the influx of illegal border crossings into their state. Last week, state law enforcement began arresting illegal migrants on trespassing charges part of Governor Greg Abbott's plan to stem the flow of migrants into Texas. Attorney General Ken Paxton tells Fox News that the state has taken this approach because the federal government has refused to fulfill its duty to secure the border. You know, it's slow at first. I mean, we're just beginning this process. We've been forced into this. The Governor Abbott uh, just started this process, and he's been forced into it because the federal government, will, as you can see, as your reporter just showed, they are not doing the job, and they have no interest in doing the job, and they continue to invite people to cross the border. Uh, to the detriment of this country and even maybe to the detriment of some of these immigrants. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki. Thanks for listening. USA Radio News. Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-215-5141. 800-215-5141. That's 800-215-5141. The CDC is warning unvaccinated Americans and vaccinated Americans mass mandates could be back in place this winter. Brad Bernards from the West Texas USA Radio News Bureau investigates further. As concerns grow regarding the Delta variant spread across the globe, the CDC is reporting drastic increases across the country in the number of people contracting. all about the definitions, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about the God-ordained traditional family for solutions, turning to God and family. If you want to solve not only the justice system being permanently broken, but all the other uh, problems in society, society is a mirror of the God-ordained traditional family. I made the case at the panel uh, at Freedom Fest, Dr. Bradley uh, continues to break it down in a meaningful way by talking definitions, uh, solutions, it's all right here on Liberty Roundtable Live. Dr. Bradley, definitions all important, aren't they? Well, indeed they are, and that's exactly what the uh, uh, those that are seeking to destroy this nation are doing, is redefining everything 
and and uh, they're doing it in a manner that brings uh, that destabilizes society and causes confusion, and ultimately is in, is intended to overthrow the societal basis. And so, you know, whether you're talking about a constitution that's written in English, those English words have meanings. Those meanings may be known. They can only mean what they meant in the day they were written. You can't redefine it as a democracy because it says republic. It is republic. It is fully, completely uh, understood in the original intent. But the fact of the matter is, this is done by all things uh, that God has set forth, and there's an attempt to, to destabilize society through reviewing that. Let's look at how God set this up originally, and then let's talk about what Blackstone said in his original uh, Volume 1 of his commentaries, uh, which the Founding Fathers all studied, understood, and applied. But basically, here's how God works. He has a nine-month gestation period. It's a period of time in which the husband and wife bring stability, they bring love, they bring support, they bring protection. And they establish an environment in which that child may come into the world into not only loving arms, but a place in which there's, there is that security and safety. That's the intent. The child, unlike, you know, in animal world where, you know, in a short period of time they're cast out into the world to make their way. No, this is to be a decades-long relationship in which teaching, nurturing, and loving occurs. There is a stability that's taught by the traditions of those things that have been learned through the, through the centuries on what it takes to make a success out of a child. And that's the way God works. There's none of this, you know, throwing them overboard when they get a few weeks on their own, they can walk on their own two legs or whatever. We stay together as families and are intended to stay together. And ultimately, my belief system is that families were intended to last through the eternities. But Nevertheless, without getting off on a completely uh, doctrinal uh, discussion on that, let's look at what, you know, we, we've said, okay, this is how God ordained it. Uh, this idea of having marriage and children and families as being unrelated to each other, which is what the, the woke crowd would have us believe today, the, the celebrities of today would have us believe, that is the way God established for us to be able to create and raise families in that stable, loving, predictable society. Now, here, going to Blackstone's commentaries. Uh, Blackstone wrote eloquently. You're going to have to think about this. We don't have near the language that they had, you know, 250 years ago. But at any rate, he said, The law of nature being co-avowed with mankind and dictated by God himself is, of course, superior in obligation to any other. So he's saying God's law takes precedence, okay? It is binding over all the globe, in all countries, and at all times. No human laws are of any validity if contrary to this. And such of them as are valid derive all their force and all their authority, immediately or immediately, from this original pump. These two foundations, the law of nature and the law of revelation, depend all human laws. That is to say, no human laws should be suffered to contradict these. To instance, in the case of murder, it is expressly forbidden by the divine and demonstrably by the natural law, and from these prohibitions arise the true unlawfulness of this crime. Okay, so God established the law. Human law is to be absolutely in complete conformance to that. And, and nothing should contradict the God's law. 
So when people come along and they say, oh, I'm redefining family, and I understand what you've done about all these associations and everything like that, they're really not family. They're associations. So you can have an association in a fraternal order or some kind of a religious order or some kind of, of community or whatever. They're not family. God's definition of family was ordained from the very beginning. A man and a woman create a child. That child is brought into the—it doesn't take a village to raise the child. That's a socialist, communistic perspective. It takes a loving man and woman. And I understand what you're saying. Sometimes those things fail because we're mortal. But the ideal would be to encourage that, support that, and, and facilitate that, rather than trying to say, oh, my tribe does this, or, or here's how my group believes about sexuality, or or this idea that, uh, that it's fluid, and, and uh, this, this is so unstable. It is so confused. And children that are raised in these environments tend to have a higher suicide rate. It's a fact of, of humanity and of mortality. And these societies that have created the most uh, embraceive of the laws that say we've got to support this, we've got to encourage this, we've got to accept this, they haven't reduced the suicide rates among their people. They haven't reduced the poverty or the or the uh, despair or the despondency or depression, whatever you want to call it. All they've done is institutionalized it by the way they've changed things. And so, yeah, you're right, Sam. We do need to come back to the God-ordained of everything. We need to quit trying to redefine according to this new religion, the wisdom of man that we've talked about, that... that Anything and everything is acceptable. In fact, were there time, and we could, if you want to, at some point, look at the Humanist Manifesto and sexual proclivities and all of these uh, urbane things that they're trying to bring forth now. Let's do are, it because I in- let's do it, Doctor, because I think the contrast here is incredible. I'm proposing to turn to God Almighty, male and female created He them, and turning to the God ordained traditional family as the solution. Now, again, I get if your family's broken that we need to do the next best thing. Look for neighbors. Look to the church. Look to other people to kind of pick up the pieces when things go wrong. But you know what? We live in the real, I agree. But we need to teach to the ideal, and we need to focus on moving the real as close to the ideal as we possibly can. And what I find fascinating about this is no one wants to really talk about it. No one really wants to take the bull by the horns. When I brought this up on this panel, I literally stood alone. I don't think they disagreed with me. But I just think they didn't have the understanding and the foresight to agree with me and to double down on this point. Well, Look, that's because they've been taught through the uh, the new religion, this humanism, all their lives. I mean, Sam, really. I mean, I'm substantially older than you. I know I know one. It doesn't sound like it, right? But in any case, I went through it. I mean, I I was immersed in that system. And this was the religion that was taught to me and my generation and the generation before me. And and it is what we are in America today. My dad is in his 90s, and that is the religion that he was taught in his day. And so consequently, I don't find it the, the least bit surprising that people have, have kind of, they feel like they're on thin ice or... I mean, you know, they can feel it in their heart, and I'm pretty sure, I don't know all of the, uh, the people that were on your your panel, but but you know what? I, I, I bet that they're a good heart and want to do the right thing. But to tell you the truth, it's what I find very often with the gospel of liberty. I find that the understanding is so shallow right now. 
people could say, ah, well, they kind of put their head down and kick the dirt clods, and they say, well, I, 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 I feel this, and, and, I, and I think it's right and everything, but they don't know that the foundation we stand on is immovable. It's solid. It is pure, and it is defensible. But they don't have that because of our religious training of our whole lives, this 40 to 70 hours a week that we got for 12 years of our lives. And then we go to the institutions of, quote-unquote, higher learning, the temples of the humanist, wherein we get further education. And, you know, heaven forbid, if you get a law degree, you're, t- you're taught in the, the priestcraft of a, of a false religion about what law ought to be. And as Blackstone pointed out, and the Founding Fathers all understood, all of our law is based upon God's law. And if it doesn't have a foundation on God's law, it is not valid. You cannot say that we brought anything forth that's valid. If And people come to me and they say, oh, Bradley, <laughs> you can't legislate morality. I say, well, you know, I kind of look at it this way. If there isn't a moral basis to a law, it needs to be reevaluated. But but let's let's look and, and I don't know like yeah we keep coming up on these breaks Sam I know you got to pay the bills <laughs> but uh, but think about this for a minute but when we come back we'll talk about what the humanist manifestos the one two and three from 1933 1973 and 2003 they're very brief little documents you can read them in one sitting if you can, your stomach and your spirit will allow you to do so these have become the de facto. The de facto lesson plan of modern American education. John Dewey and his scurrilous crowd brought this forth. Maybe we can listen to some of these things when we get back from the break. You got it. Dr. Bradley with me, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman advocating for the God-ordained traditional family. Dr. Bradley breaking down the reality point by point. Our goal is to make the real and the ideal as close together as it can possibly get. Will you help us? Getting the kids to school, cleaning the house, doing the laundry. It seems that the work routine as a stay-at-home mom is never-ending. And even though I'm the prime grocery shopper in our family of four, I simply don't have time to scrutinize all the labels on the countless food products I buy. Oh, sure, I've noticed all the latest certification seals. Organic, non-GMO, gluten-free. It definitely seems to be the latest craze. But it was only recently that kosher certification seals caught my attention. You see, my husband had me download an app called Certified, and it shed light on a century-old certification industry that slipped under the radar screen from the majority of our public. I also noticed a question mark at the end of the app name, and that makes great sense as there's far more questions regarding this industry than answers. In fact, the developers refer to this as the kosher question. Sure, I'm a busy mom and didn't pay attention to our food culture, but now I have transparency, a convenient grocery list feature, and the ability to eat in favor of my family's best interests, and you can discover it too at thekosherquestion.com. I reinstated a policy first put in place by President Ronald Reagan, the Mexico City policy. I strongly supported the House of Representatives' pain-capable bill, which would end painful late-term abortions nationwide. And I call upon the Senate to pass this important law and send it to my desk for signing. We are protecting the sanctity of life and the family as the foundation of our society. And most importantly of all, it is the gift of life itself. That is why we march. 
That is why we pray, and that is why we declare that America's future will be filled with goodness, peace, joy, dignity, and life for every child of God. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. These incredible topics, ladies and gentlemen, never we never have enough time to flesh them out as we really intend to. But nevertheless, hopefully we can um, start the ball rolling and you can spend time on your own and digging into the points we make and the, and the solutions we bring to the table. Because I believe this is uh, Solutions Radio. That's our goal. It's not to talk about and complain about the problems, but it is to highlight where we really are. It is to live in the real and to work towards making the ideal the real. And you know what? The, the more you and I work on it, the more we the people turn to God Almighty uh, and the more we turn to our families and the more we really start to spend time on real solutions, to some degree very political. I would submit to you that it's not political, it's moral, and it's outside of politics. But nevertheless, I digress. These are the, in my opinion, real answers for the republic, the real answers for you and your family, the real answers for the next generations uh, to come. And Dr. Bradley, definitions are all important, but uh, it's one thing to learn about it. It's another thing to actively advocate and make sure that you carry that ball forward, sir. Well, absolutely. And, and if, if you'll bear with me for a few moments, and if people will listen with an honest and uh, an open heart and, and hear with both their heart and their mind, they'll understand that these humanist manifestos truly are the lesson plan of modern America. We are teaching a godless religion as our national religion. And if you'll bear with me for a few quotations, just taken, I mean, I, I've got so much we could go into, but out of the 1933 and then the 1973 manifestos, these, these are what they, what they talk. And think about how they're taught to your children, your grandchildren today. Here's what it is, um, just begin with 1933. Religious humanists, there's the term, they use it themselves. Religious humanists regard the universe as self-existing, not created. There ain't no God, guys. Okay, humanism believes that man is a part of nature, and he has emerged as a result of continuous process. Evolutionary, Darwinism, okay? Let's, uh, I'm going to have to skip really quickly. We consider religious forms and ideas of our fathers no longer adequate. Get rid of your God of your fathers, and so on and so forth. Here, I'm jumping into the 1973 Humanist Manifesto. As in 1933, humanists still believe that traditional theism, especially faith in the prayer-hearing God, assumed to love and care for persons, to hear and understand their prayers, to be able to do something about them, is an unproven and outmoded faith. Reasonable minds look to other means for survival. Oh, let's go further. We find insufficient evidence for belief in the existence of a supernatural. It is neither. It is either meaningless or irrelevant. We begin with humans, not God. Nature, not deity. Here's another one. Promises of immortal salvation or fear of eternal damnation are both illusory and harmful. There is no credible evidence that life survives the death of the body. I'm going to have to leave it, I know, but let me just read you one thing about sexuality and these intimate things that are the basis of families and bring forth uh, you know, God's plan upon the earth. Uh, this brief quote out of the 1973 uh, Humanist Manifesto. 
In the area of sexuality, we believe that intolerant attitudes, often cultivated by orthodox religions and puritanical cultures, unduly repress sexual conduct. The right to birth control, abortion, and divorce should be recognized. Neither do we wish to prohibit by law or social sanction sexual behaviors between consenting adults. And the many varieties of sexual exploration should not in themselves be considered evil. A civilized society should be a tolerant one. Individuals should be permitted to express their sexual proclivities and pursue their lifestyles as they desire. Moral education for children and adults is an important way of developing awareness and sexual maturity. Wait, wait, wait. Moral education. You saw, I think, Sam, that uh, this spring the United Nations... Uh, uh, UNICEF organization came out and said we should have age-appropriate pornography <laughs> that we use to teach our children reproductive uh, understanding. Sam, we are immersed in this. Uh, did you hear that last quote about lifestyles, about tolerance, about repressed conduct, about all of these things that, that they've, they've immersed society in now that is completely destroying the stability of society because the family is being destabilized. These things are what have become the de facto religious belief of America because it is the de facto lesson plan of America. Yeah, they can weave it into nine months of school every year and all this kind of stuff, but what they do is they use these little pamphlets, humanist pamphlets, it's a religion. It violates the First Amendment because it is a tax-supported religion. Hundreds of billions of dollars are spent every year, tax dollars, supporting this godless religion. And so should we wonder that people on panels don't feel that they have the foundation to stand on? Should we feel, I mean, think about it, people. If we were to clearly understand these principles, there would be no doubt that we would stand up for and defend them. But if you look in a, uh, a board of education meeting in your local community, if you look at your state board of education, godless humanists are running this thing. Now, yeah, that may be good people in their hearts, and they may you know, go to church with you and everything, but they're implementing the official de facto religion that has been accepted by legal enactment that this is going to be what we teach our children. And Dr. Bradley, in, Dr. Bradley, in most cases, they don't even realize what they are doing. I don't think that the panel was against me. I think they think that's no, generally no, no. Right. right. I just don't think they have the wherewithal, the tools, the knowledge, the experience, uh, the history, the definitions. Uh, they don't have the other side's playbook well enough to understand. That's why we need to reject, unequivocally reject, both the Humanist Manifesto and the Communist Manifesto. Okay, this is very, they don't understand the playbook. They kind of just get caught in the middle inertia of this thing to be like, oh, yeah, we agree that, you know, humanism is bad, or we agree that communism is bad, or we agree the family is important. And, but they don't realize that in there is not just a, a, a we agree, but it's a breaking down detail of the past, the present, the future, in relation to these absolutely 1,000-degree separation or 180-degree um, difference, if you will, between the godless humanist manifesto, the godless, the godless communist manifesto versus the God-ordained government our founders put together. You know, um, George Patton read Rommel's book about infantry and armor so he could defeat him, okay? 
And so, so that's why Patton was able in North Africa to kick the Nazis out of North Africa in just short order after we had really been bloodied in those things that, uh, of the, the early battles. Uh, the British and the Americans just had our clocks cleaned in those battles. Patton came along. He knew what uh, Rommel's uh, uh, approach was, and he had learned it to defeat it. That's why when I teach, I teach from the Communist Manifesto and the Humanist Manifesto these principles so we might defeat them, which is totally different than what we are doing now at our U.S. military academies, teaching the critical race theory as something that we might embrace. If we were teaching it to teach them how to defeat it, that's one thing. But to teach it as something that should be embraced within our nation that's when we will be led to defeat. If, if uh, Patton had learned about Rommel's uh, approach to be able to say, well, <laughs> I guess this guy's got the pattern down. I guess we ought to just roll over and let him win. No, he learned it to defeat it. And that's what we try to do with the Communist Manifesto and the Humanist Manifesto and these other <clears throat> associated, and they are very well uh, integrated with each other. They, they are synergistic completely. Uh, the, these things, and all of these other things that are coming up uh, that are, well, I mean, BLM, Antifa, those people have embraced these things wholeheartedly, and they're feeding them to us, uh, as Gramsci, the, uh, the Italian communist, uh, tried to do back in the 1920s, a slice at a time. And we are embracing them because we are not learning them to defeat them. We're, we should be learning about their strategies and, and being able to use uh, God's way of, of bringing forth a solution instead of saying, well, I don't really understand this. I, it doesn't feel good to me, but, uh, oh, by golly, I, I, I don't know how to go around it. Yeah, we, we can know if we will learn it, if we will apply these uh, God-ordained principles in opposition to these things when we know that the opposition is using these well-honed tactics day in and day out in our public education system, in our media, in our political circles, we're, we're in a lot of trouble. That's why I, I fear that uh, we've got to raise up a generation of people that understand these things so we can have statesmen-like people to lead again uh, in a similar manner to what the American founding fathers were. Read these things like the, the, the Blackstone's commentaries and The Spirit of Laws by Montesquieu and, and Locke's civil government and Read the scriptures. I mean, these are the foundations upon which this nation was built, and the American founding fathers used all of it. The issue here, the issue here, in my opinion, Doctor Bradley, is honesty. Okay, we need to be honest about what the real solutions are. We not, we don't need to be fearful that we might step on somebody's toes that doesn't have a perfect family, or that doesn't understand these things, or that is embracing some of these wrong-headed principles. Uh, we need to be very clear and concise. We're not here to attack anybody. We know we live in the real. We know we got to work on it one day, one person, one heart, one mind, one issue at a time. But we also must highlight the ideal very honestly. And there's no other way to do it that I know of than the way we're doing it on this radio program. And I'm not here to attack everybody, but I am here to point the way towards real, honest, actionable solutions. Dr. Bradley? In America, just it, it indeed has a godly heritage. It's no longer being taught in our public schools and, and largely in our political environments and everything throughout the nation. And and sadly, we're beginning to reap the whirlwind. There is a whirlwind a brewing, 
and it will come through this nation It's cyclonic power. I mean, it is going to be a tornado. And America, unless we, we begin to... Uh, when I was a little boy, I got lost when I was six years old, and there's not time to tell the whole story. But my first impression when I realized I was lost was to run. I followed that impression. And I, <laughs> what I found was that I was making really good time, but I didn't have any direction. I'd fallen down in the creek and the boulders and the briars and the brambles. That does not get you back to the trail. We know the back trail. We have the back trail. It's well-defined. And the, the foundational principles of this nation is, is where we need to go back to. We have that. We can sit down. We cannot panic. We can look back. We can find our way back to the trail. But you don't do it by all of the false philosophies of godless religions that are being constantly promoted upon this nation, and and it's it's taught to our children from the youngest of age. Biden wants to do it from age three. They've got a program now that will start three and four year olds in in a uh, indoctrination program, and we're going to take it. That, they're going to pay for everything through your through your community college. This is going to be your religion by the time you get done. But we know the back trail. If we'll look at it, if we can find it. Don't panic, people. We know the way back. There is a way. Ladies and gentlemen, here's to hope. Here's to prayer. Here's to trust in God Almighty. Here's to documenting the reality of the founding fathers and our history. We have a godly and an American heritage that relates to God and family. That is the solution as we return peacefully to what made America great and what will make America great again. That is turning to God. That is the God-ordained traditional family. There is no other way, ladies and gentlemen. Let's be very clear. And I'm not here to attack anybody, but I am here to make sure the issue is clear. The issue is honesty. Honesty about who we are. Honesty about those who fought for liberty. Let's stand with them, shall we? God save the republic. 